Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This will be uh, Helaman chapter 10. So Nephi has predicted the uh, death of the chief judge by his brother. His brother has been confronted and has confessed. And so now we'll see where this leads us. Verse 1. It came to pass that there arose a division among the people insomuch that they divided hither and thither and went their ways, leaving Nephi alone as he was standing in the midst of them. And it came to pass that Nephi went his way towards his own house, pondering upon the things which the Lord had shown unto him. Uh, President Hinckley talks a lot about pondering and the, nece the necessity to do that and how important it is for us to get aside. He said, sit by yourself, go in the bedroom and lock the door, go out uh, in the yard under a tree, go in your study if you have one and shut the door and think about yourself and your worthiness. Read from this great book, the Book of Mormon, there's a great word that's used, ponder. Ponder, what do we mean by ponder? Well, I think it simply means to kind of quietly thinking things through. Ponder what you've read, ponder your life, are you worthy, are you living the commandments? Verse 3, and it came to pass that as he was thus pondering, being much cast down because of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites, their secret works of darkness and their murderings and their plunderings and all manner of iniquities. And it came to pass as he was thus pondering in his heart, behold, a voice came unto him, saying, Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done, for I have beheld how thou hast with unwearyingness declared the word which I have given unto thee unto this people, and thou hast not feared them and hast not sought thine own life. Elder Maxwell said, President Kimball exhibited the same unweariness as the Lord commended in Nephi. One of the author's last real con conversations with President Kimball included his wistful comment concerning his ministry. I should have done more. How could he have done more? None of us knows, but this comment is indicative of his unweariness. He endured so well the unusual number of afflictions life placed upon him while serving so many so incessantly. Nephi had not selfishly sought his own life, but rather had sought to do God's will. This gave him the extra and undivided energy which made his striving with unwearied diligence possible. Nephi knew in which direction he faced, toward God. In contrast, and to be pitied, are the ambivalent, forever pivoting as between looking toward God or man. With all the incessant pivoting, no wonder some grow so weary. Instead, if we let our, our own wills be swallowed up in the will of the Lord, there is a more holistic deployment of our talents. Like Nephi, we are not to pursue our own wills. Joseph Smith said, After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God, when the Lord has thoroughly proved him, and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and his election made sure. Verse 5, And now because thou hast done this, thou with such unweariness, he has kept his covenants. President Kimball said most of the good work in the church is done by people who don't feel very well. Behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. This is the same promise that Joseph Smith received, and also Heber C. Kimball. 
So complete is the trust that God has in Nephi, so perfect is the assurance that he would not do or say anything contrary to the divine will, that Nephi is granted the promise that all he, that he asks, all that he says, and all that he does in the name of the Lord will be honored. What Nephi prays for, he will get, because his hands are clean and his heart pure. His prayers and his deepest yearnings are directed and motivated by the Holy Spirit. Further, and if ye are purified and cleansed from all sin, ye shall ask whatsoever ye will in the name of Jesus, and it shall be done. But know this, it shall be given you what you shall ask. This latter scriptural passage seems to have at least two possible meanings. First, those who pray in the Spirit have it given to them, revealed to them, what they should pray. For second, those who so live as to things as to come under the influence of this marvelous grace and Christian discipline. These are they who receive what they pray for. Like Nephi, their hearts cry out only for the right things. That was by Millet McConkie. Verse 6. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels, that ye shall have power over this people, and shall smite the earth with famine, and with pestilence and destruction, according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I, have, I give unto you power that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, apostolic powers. And thus shall ye have power among this people. It is unlikely that this is the first time that the keys of the priesthood were granted to a Nephite prophet leader. More likely, this is simply the first mention of it. We would suppose that Lehi, as a leader of the Nephite dispensation, was given the keys of the kingdom. Nephi and Jacob and Mosiah and Alma and Mormon and Moroni, many of the Nephite prophets, surely had the directing power, the right of presidency, the keys of the kingdom bestowed upon them. The fact that temples were established among the Nephites early in their history suggests that sealings and marriages and ordinances of the Melchizedek priesthood were a part of their religious life. That was by Millet McConkie. Joseph Smith said, The doctrine or sealing power of Elijah is as follows. If you have power to seal on earth and in heaven, then, you, then we should be wise. The first thing you do, go and seal on earth your sons and daughters unto yourself, and yourself unto your fathers in eternal glory, and go ahead and not go back. But use a little wisdom and seal all you can, and when you get to heaven, tell your father that what you seal on earth should be sealed in heaven according to his promise. I will walk through the gate of heaven and claim what I seal, and those that follow me in my counsel. Elder Boyd K. Packer said, That sacred sealing power is with the church now. Nothing is regarded more sacred, with more sacred contemplation by those who know the significance of this authority. Nothing is more closely held. There are relatively few men who have been de delegated this sealing power upon the earth at any given time. In each temple are brethren who have been given the sealing power. No one can get it except from the prophet, seer, and revelator, and president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A clear statement follows regarding the sealing power as binding on all that we do for the living and the dead. Whenever the fullness of the gospel is on earth, the Lord has agents to whom he gives power to bind on earth and seal eternally in the heavens. All things that are not sealed by his power have an end when men are dead. Unless a baptism has this enduring seal, it will not admit a person to the celestial kingdom. Unless an eternal marriage covenant is sealed by this authority, it will not take the participating parties to an exaltation in the highest heaven within the celestial world. All things gain enduring force and validity because of the sealing power. So comprehensive is this power that it embraces ordinances performed for the living and the dead, seals the children on earth up to their fathers who went before, and forms the enduring patriarchal chain that will exist eternally among exalted beings. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. 
In the church, we hold sufficient authority to perform all of the ordinances necessary to redeem and to exalt the whole human family. And because we have the keys of the sealing power, what we bind in proper order here will be bound in heaven. Those keys, the keys to seal and bind on earth and have it bound in heaven, represent the consummate gift from our God. With that authority, we can baptize and bless. We can, endure, we can endow and seal, and the Lord will honor our commitments. Verse, verse 8, And thus if ye shall say unto this temple, It shall be rent in twain, it shall be done. And if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou cast down, and become smooth, it shall be done. And behold, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall, be, it shall come to pass. And now behold, I command you that ye shall go and declare unto this people, Thus saith the Lord God, who is the Almighty, Except ye repent, ye shall be smitten even unto destruction. Elder McConkie said, This then is the doctrine of the priesthood. This is the power we, get, we can gain through faith and righteousness. Truly there is power in the priesthood, power to do all things. If the world itself was created by the power of the priesthood, surely that same power can move mountains and control the elements. If one-third of the hosts of heaven were cast down to earth by the power of the priesthood, surely that same power can put at defiance the armies of nations or stay the fall of atomic bombs. If all men shall be raised from, from mortality to immortality by the power of the priesthood, surely that same power can cure the diseased and the dying and raise the dead. Truly there is power in the priesthood, a power which we seek to acquire to use, power which we devoutly pray may rest upon us and upon our posterity forever. Verse 12, And behold, now it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken these words unto Nephi, he did stop and did not go unto his own house, but did return unto the multitudes who were scattered about upon the face of the land, and began to declare unto them the word of the Lord which had been spoken unto him concerning their destruction, if they did not repent. Sounds a lot like the story of Alma, doesn't it? When he was teaching and, and got kicked out of the city, and then as he's uh, going back home, the, the Lord talks to him and tells him to go back, just like Nephi. Verse 13, Now behold, notwithstanding that great miracle which Nephi had done in telling them concerning the death of their chief judge, they did harden their hearts and did not hearken unto the words of the Lord. Therefore Nephi did declare unto them the word of the Lord, saying, Except ye repent, thus saith the Lord, ye shall be smitten even unto destruction. And it came to pass that when Nephi had declared unto them the word, Behold, they did still harden their hearts, and would not hearken unto his words. Therefore they did revile against him, and did seek to lay their hands upon him, that they might cast him into prison. But behold, the power of God was with him, that they could not take him to cast him into prison, kind of like uh, Abinadi, for he was taken by the Spirit, and conveyed away out of their midst. Other prophets had been and would be transported bodily from place to place. This is by Bruce R. McConkie. By the power of the Spirit, Ezekiel was lifted up and carried by the Spirit in Ezekiel chapter 8. Nephi was caught away in the Spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain. Uh, that's 1 Nephi chapter 11. Mary herself was carried away in the Spirit at the time of the conception of Jesus. And then Nephi, the son of Helaman, was taken by the Spirit and conveyed away out of the midst of those who sought to imprison him. After Philip baptized the eunuch, the Spirit of the Lord caught him away, and he was carried to Azotus. In Acts chapter 8, it is not an unheard of thing for the Lord by the power of the Spirit to transport mortals from place to place. I'd like to sign up for that. That'll be a lot easier to travel around going to work and going to, to and from. That'd be awesome if you could just teleport. Well, someday we'll get that power, I guess, huh? Probably not until we get into the squirrel world. Oh, well. Verse 17, it came to pass that thus he did go forth in the spirit from multitude to multitude, declaring the word of God, even until he had declared it unto them all, or sent it forth among all the people. And it came to pass that they would not hearken unto his words, and there began to be contentions, insomuch that they were divided against themselves, and began to slay one another with the sword, and thus ended the seventy and first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi.
Sounds like they're not getting along too well with uh, all this preaching going on. I bear testimony that, this, that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Toodaloo.